Well, as always, good afternoon, uh, church family. Uh, such a blessing to be with you and to get the opportunity to worship the Lord together. Um, if you've been here for the last two weeks, uh, you know that we've been working through this sermon series called uh, Habits of Grace. Habits of Grace. And my hope and prayer through this series uh, is to encourage us as a gathering to be diligent in practicing some, I guess what we'd call, essential gospel habits so that we will be transformed and live transformed lives. If, you have, if you're here today and you have put your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, uh, we believe here, we believe that you have been saved by grace. But although uh, your destiny is sure because of grace, we also believe that as you live this life, that you are still in the process of being conformed. You're still in the process of being transformed to be more like Jesus. And while we also know that it's ultimately God's grace that transforms us, at the same time, sort of simultaneously, we also know that our changing Okay, our changing is not without effort. That God has set up for us, or God has established for us, these habits, habits that are rooted in grace. And that's really what this sermon series is all about. Uh, We are talking about these spiritual disciplines that help us to become more like Jesus. Why? For God's glory uh, and our joy. Well, up to this point, we've talked about uh, two habits. The first week, we talked about storing up God's word in our hearts. And then last week, we talked about the habit of prayer. Today, uh, we're going to be shifting to the topic of serving, the habit of serving. Uh, I know I I told you last week that uh, this is going to be a three-week sermon series, uh, but I actually changed my mind, as I some, sometimes like to do. Um, I actually decided uh, that I wanted to wrap up the sermon series next week when we're all together and talk about the church and, and gathering all together. And so because of that, uh, today uh, we're extending the series and we're going <clears> to <throat> talk about what it means to serve. Some of you uh, are here today, and especially those of you who are uh, really students of God's Word, you've been in the church for a long time, Uh, right away you might be thinking, well, serving is not technically a spiritual discipline, right? Is it really a spiritual discipline to serve? Um, But what I want to propose to you today is that I think what what we clearly see in Scripture is that serving is something that we are supposed to be practicing regularly, and that, in a sense, requires discipline. That serving is something, uh, like being in God's Word, like praying, serving is something, it's a habit that every follower of Jesus should be practicing. I heard uh, one pastor say it this way, I think this is really strong, pretty good. He said, works, godly works, spiritual works, good works, serving others becomes the inevitable result of a transformed life. Where you have saving faith, you have works. Because salvation is not just forgiveness, it is transformation. 
I think that's really important. Salvation is not just forgiveness. Salvation is transformation. In other words, and this is sort of going to be our bottom line today, so you can check out after the first five minutes, but the bottom line today is really simple. Uh, Saved people serve. Uh, I think we're going to see that so clearly from Scripture today. Uh, People who have professed Christ, who believe that Jesus is Lord, saved people, they serve. It's one of the marks, actually, of being a follower of Christ. Well, uh, with that then, to consider this idea of serving, like how to serve, why we serve, the purpose of serving, uh, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter, and we're going to be uh, studying verse 10 and 11 today. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. As you're turning there, uh, here's what we know. Peter, uh, the Apostle Peter, he's speaking here in the context of holy living. Okay? He, he's talking about followers of Christ, the church, living set-apart lives because of the reality of Jesus' second coming. And so he's saying, because Jesus is coming soon... Uh, I implore you as a church to pray. He's saying, I want you to be in communion with God. You can see that in verse 7. He's saying, not only that, though, do I want you to focus on this vertical relationship. I also want you to focus on your horizontal relationship because of the second coming. And so he implores the people to be defined by their love. He says, uh, he's really saying there, I want you to love people. So yes, pray, work on that vertical relationship with God, have an intimate relationship with God, but also I want you to work on the horizontal relationship. I want you to be people who love people. And then as a result of those things, what we see here in verse 10 through 11 is that Peter encourages the church to live a life of service. Look at verse 10. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. And so this is really the foundation of our time together today. This is where we start. Peter here says, in effect, we should, as the church, as followers of Christ, we should be serving one another. That because we are in right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that inward transformation, that inward holiness should lead you and I to an outward love that produces or looks like serving others. That actually, we are people who are saved by grace. And that grace received translates itself into serving one another. I want you to also note here, from before we even really deeply dive into this text, that this is actually a command here. It's a command that for those of us who are in Christ, we serve. It's a command. We are commanded to serve. And so the question really is uh, not should we serve, but how we serve. How is it possible for us to live a life of service? Because let's be really honest with ourselves. Um, When you woke up this morning, for the majority of us here, 
your natural tendency probably wasn't to wake up and say, man, how can I just serve everybody today? Maybe you thought about that a little bit. But I think the more natural probably thing that you thought of when you woke up was, whether or not you said it this way, is how can I be served today? How can I be served today? And I think actually a lot of people approach church that way as well. We come into a church, and the expectation is, I'm going to be served. The church exists to serve me, when in reality, the truth that we're going to see today is that actually you should have come into this gathering today asking the question, how can I serve others? How can I be serving others? And, and so how do we do that? How, how is it possible uh, to, to sort of negate or, or push away the flesh and be people who desire to serve, but also to actually serve itself? How do we do that? I think this passage really answers that question. We see there again in that text that Peter says really clearly, he says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. And so right there in the text itself, we actually have the tool for service noted. He says that we are actually called to serve one another through the means of a gift. That the way this is possible or how this is possible, is through a gift. And so in the majority of our time together, or the rest of our time together, we're actually going to be considering elements of these special gifts. Because once we understand the gift, what it is, who it's for, what it's purpose for, that's going to answer the question then, how do we serve, should we serve, who should serve? Okay? I really believe this is going to help us today as a gathering to know why we, why we serve. So first of all, if you're a person that likes to take notes, let's talk about the who. Who are these gifts for? Who are these gifts for? Again, I think it's found right there in the text. He says, as each has received a gift. So there's right there the extent of these gifts, the range. He's saying, Each follower of Jesus has a gift. Everyone. I do, you do, if Jesus is Lord of your life. Each and every one of us in this gathering has a spiritual gift. Now, with that, I want you to turn with me, and this is going to be on the screen, but I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're actually going to go back and forth between 1 Peter 4 And 1 Corinthians 12, just back and forth the rest of the time. So maybe keep your fingers in both of those so that you can follow along, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul, he writes this. He gives us the context for this section of Scripture right from the very beginning. Verse 1 starts this way. He says, Now, concerning spiritual gifts. So in other words, what is he going to be talking about? Spiritual gifts. Right? He's going to talk about the elements of spiritual gifts, what they're like, why they're used, how they're used, all of this, the different types. That's the context for the chapter. And then look down to verse 7. What does it say? What does it say? I believe your version in front of you, especially if you're using ESV, it'll say, to what? To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So again, we see that Peter has already said this, Paul affirms this through the Holy Spirit, saying 
Every believer has a spiritual gift. Each one, it says here. And then with that, notice something else really important down in verse 11. This is what we read. It says that these gifts are distributed to, here it is again, each one individually. Each one individually. And that word individual, individually is pretty important. We're going to talk about that in just a second. And so what I want to sort of propose to us today is that when it comes to the who, I believe it is rightfully said, or can be rightfully said, that yes, every single believer has a spiritual gift or gifts. And at the same time, listen, we are individually gifted as well. There's a difference there. Uh, Another way to say that would be all of us as believers have gifts And at the same time, each of our gifts are unique to us. All of us have gifts. And at the same time, each of our gifts are unique to us. That word individual or individually there, it's rooted or comes from the Greek word idios. Idios in Greek. Um, It's where we get the word idiot from, actually. Idiot. Um, But the word idiot different in that culture. Um, the word idiot, okay, idios, it literally means peculiar or um, unique. There is no one like him or her. And so, in a sense, what Paul is saying here is that each follower of Christ is one of a kind. Each follower of Christ is stamped with absolute uniqueness. Okay, Paul calls us, we're idiots, um, but in a way that is positive, that we are unique. Okay, we are unique. Um, so again, then, who receives these gifts? Who receives these gifts? Who, who are these gifts for, for the purpose of service? Well, it's clear. Peter, Paul, every believer. It's universal. But at the same time, we are each Uniquely, individually gifted. Now, we don't have all the time to go through, uh, or the time today to go through all these unique types of gifts. So I encourage you, on your own, even maybe this week, to look through them yourself. We talked about uh, storing up God's word in your heart two weeks ago. I want you to store up this section of scripture in your heart. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12. But just to sort of give you a taste of these gifts or the way that we are believers are gifted, we see that some are gifted with the word of wisdom. Others are gifted with the word of knowledge. Others of you are gifted in faith. Others of you here are, have the gift of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, discernment, kinds of tongues, interpretation. Or in Romans 12, we have another list. It includes things like some of you have the gift of giving, the gift of teaching, the gift of leading. Some of you have the gift of showing mercy. Right? Each and every one of us is given a gift, but those gifts are distributed uniquely to you to make you, you. All right? um, and what's amazing, actually, to me, as I was reflecting on it this week, what's really amazing is that we know that even the same gift that's been given, distributed, looks different 
depending on the person that it's given to, right? Um, an easy illustration to think about, or an example of this, I guess you might say, is the gift of teaching, preaching, okay? I think all of us here, the good majority of us here, at least, we all know pastors who believe the same gospel. Pastors who have very similar, if not the same, theological convictions. But while that is true, they teach very differently. They have their own unique style. Okay? Um, you could see that even amongst, I think, our body, right? I mean, different people have spoken here. Certainly, they're preaching here because we believe they believe the same gospel, same theological truths. But the way that they teach comes off a little differently, depending on who they are and who God has made them to be. And so I think a good way to think of this would be um, people are given the same color, but individually they have a slightly different shade. And so some of you here are given, are, have been given the gift of teaching. You've been given the color blue. But that blue looks differently, different shades based on the person, how they're wired, their experiences, how the Spirit of God has moved and worked in their life, where they were educated. All these things, God works out together to make you, you. Every follower of Jesus is given a gift, and that gift is unique to the individual. Okay? So the who, who are these gifts for? Every single one of us here that are followers of Christ. Second question what is the source? What is the source? Or where is it from? Where are these gifts from? Some of you already picked up on this as we were reading the text. Um, but where are they from? This is really, really, really important point, by the way. Hey, for us to understand serving, we have to understand this point. Verse 10, again, it says, As each has what? Has received a gift. Has received and so this gift, or, or gifts, these gifts that we all have, Peter is clear, we have received them. In other words, someone has given them, or it, to you. What does that mean? Well, let's just be clear. It means that you didn't earn your gift. You didn't pray for your gift. You didn't plead for your gift. You didn't work up to your gift. Uh, you received it. Point clear. Actually, in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul refers to these gifts specifically as Christ's gift. It's a gift to you. And so, again, in this series, we come back to this word, this awesome, beautiful word, grace. That actually, these gifts, they are gifts of grace. They are free. Okay, it's a grace gift, spiritual gifts. They are grace gifts received, but still begs the question, from who? From her who? Well, again, turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I told you we're going to go back and forth. Look at verse 4. This one is on the screen. Look at verse 4. What a powerful verse this is. Look at this with me. It says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. You might want to underline same spirit. There are of varieties of service, but the same Lord. You might want to underline same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but is the same God. 
you might want to underline same God, who empowers them all and everyone. Some of you picked up on it already. Do you understand what this is saying? Paul says, the Holy Spirit gives the gift. The Lord, that's Jesus, gives the ministry. And God, that's the Father, empowers all this or makes these gifts effective. In other words, the Trinity is involved here in this gift giving. You receive this from the triune God. And as he wills and chooses, by the way, look at verse 18, it says that, God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body as he desired. He has chosen you for this gathering, with your gift, for a purpose. Let me be really clear about what that means. What that means, I take this really serious, by the way. What that means is that you are not here on accident. You're not here on accident. That actually, um, the gift that you have received, the gift that you have graciously been given by the triune God, this gathering here, we need your gift. We need it. We need it. That's ultimately what he's saying here. So, we can serve. We should serve. How? How? How do we do this? Listen, through the unique, through the unique supernatural gifts all believers have been given through grace by God, the Holy Spirit. Okay? Long, little, long answer there in some ways, but I think that makes it really clear. How do we serve? How is it possible for you and I to serve one another? Through the unique supernatural gifts that all believers have been given through grace by God, the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that's the who. That's the where it's from. Third, I want to talk about the responsibility of the gift. The responsibility of the gift. Again, we see that in verse 10, actually. He says, as each has received a gift, look, use it to serve one another. And so what Peter says here is that we have been given these gifts to use. Or Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, we've been given these as ministries, actually. We've been given them to serve. So we, we're not giving gifts to boast. Okay, we're not, we're not giving gifts to brag. We're not giving gifts to compare. Um, and certainly we are not giving gifts to hoard and keep for ourselves, selfishly. We are given gifts to serve one another. We are to use what God has given to minister to the body of Christ. Peter says that so clearly. He says, use it. Use the gift that you've been given. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we already talked about verse 7, where it says that each one has been given a gift. But Paul actually says the why, too. He says there, For what? For the common good. For the common good. That you are, again, you're given a gift for the benefit of the body. Meaning that when you choose to not use your gift, you are actually hurting the body. 
that if it is true that when you use your gift, you are benefiting the body, it is also true that when you are not using your gift for the local church, you are actually harming the body. Or you might even say it this way, maybe this will sink in more, you're actually crippling the body when you do not use your gift. Staying in this 1 Corinthians passage, um, I believe we have verse 12 on, on the screen already. We actually see Paul comparing you and your spiritual gifts in the body, in the body of Christ, with a human body, sort of as this analogy. It's really strange, funky illustration, okay? Um, he says, though a body is one, it has many members, And though there are many members, they are one body. And then here's the key. He says, so it is with Christ. So it is with Christ. He's saying, look at your own body. Okay? Maybe do that now. All right. I'm checking it out. All right? Look at your own body. You have one body, but that body that you have, (laughs) it has a lot of functions. It has a lot of pieces. It has a lot of parts. There's a lot going on inwardly, outwardly, that makes your body a body. And what Paul says is that the body of Christ is just like that. The church is just like that. He says there are hands and feet, there are eyes and ears, and each and every one of them is a vital part of making the body whole. Everyone has a different function. Everyone has a different part to play. And all of them are needed. Why? Because God has placed, gifted, and equipped each member in the body uniquely. I think he really pulls it together here because he sort of gives this illustration of what if everything was the same? What if everybody was gifted the same? He gives this weird illustration. He says, imagine, like, I'm paraphrasing here. He's like, imagine if every single person was an ear. So think about your body right now. And think of if your body was just made up of ears. It was nothing of ears. Nothing but ears. Right? You would be a really good listener. Okay? Uh, some of the guys here, your wife would appreciate you more. Okay? You'd be just, just ears. Right? Um, but, 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 okay, um, Certainly, other than that, other than that, what's the point? You would be useless, right? You would be useless. You'd be ineffective, right? Um, if your body were just a bunch of eyeballs, okay, that would be strange, weird, not very effective. And so it's the exact same thing with our spiritual gifts inside the church. And so I want to be really clear. I want to be really clear with this. I want to say this. Not only is every part, every gift that we have been given, not only is it needed, they are also, every gift is equally important. Equally important. Equally useful. And that's why it's so vital, so vital, that each of us serves and each of us uses our gift. I'll I'll dare to say this, that we we are actually better We are better. I think Ephesians 4 is so clear. We have more potential for unity and for maturity as a body when each one of us chooses 
to use their gift, to express their gift for the body. When we serve, we're better for it, each and every one of us. So what am I getting at there? Hopefully you've caught it. We each have a responsibility, actually, a God-given responsibility to use our gift. And when we don't, this is not me being harsh, okay? It's just me saying what I think the scriptures are saying. When we don't use our gifts, it seems very clear to me in scripture that this is, that's nothing short of disobedience. That if it is a command to serve, then when we don't serve, that's disobeying the command. Notice Peter, Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. I think this is really important. He says, as good stewards of God's varied grace. In other words, I think this will really tie it together for you. It did for me. He says, these gifts are actually given to you and I to steward. Meaning, think of it this way, that we are actually in charge of managing our spiritual gifts. A little bit maybe more difficult for us to understand. In this culture, though, in this context, a steward was a person who was employed to handle a person's land their funds, and their resources. Okay? They cared for a household and the members of that house, if you will. They were in charge of stewarding the possessions of the owner. Okay? And that's what it is with these gifts that we have been given from the Lord. Right? God has given these gifts for us to manage, for us to steward, which means, which means, so important, You and I do not have ownership of our gift. Your gift is not in your control. It's not yours to control. It's not for you. It's not about you. Actually, you are under obligation to steward, to care for, and to use the gift, the God-given gift that the triune God has placed upon you. The gifts that we have been given are for one another, for the body. So, Peter says, use your gift. You and I, we were transformed by grace. We were transformed by grace and grace alone. And you and I were saved to serve. We're saved to serve. Well, that takes us to verse 11. Verse 11. We've already talked about the gifts, um, and we've given some examples of those gifts, okay, the variety of these gifts. But here, uh, Peter actually shows us that these gifts ultimately fall into two general categories. Right? You could place all of the spiritual gifts under these two general categories. And then, actually, he gives us some advice, uh, or advice for each one of these groups. So, this is for every single one of us here in this place. There's some advice for you from Peter. It's really simple, really clear, actually. He says this. He says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. He says, again, there are two categories of spiritual gifts. There are speaking gifts. And there are serving gifts. In other words, some of us here 
have been given a gift that is more suited for speaking. What does that look like? Well, that could look like preaching, teaching, giving words of wisdom, giving words of knowledge, discernment, okay, to all different types of leadership. Those are all speaking gifts, okay? Others of us here, he says, they've been given more service gifts, um, things that are more, uh, I would say, administrative, okay? Sometimes outward, sometimes behind the scenes. For example, some of you uh, have been given the gift of prayer, intercession, okay? That's a more quiet, behind-the-scenes spiritual gift that is crucial and vital to the lifeblood of the gathering. Some of you have been given the gift of mercy or the gift of help, right? Some of you, uh, I know through different channels, some of you here, you're so, you're so gracious, you're so merciful, you're so good and gifted at identifying needs and people in the gathering and meeting those needs behind the scenes that no one even knows about. Um, maybe I don't even know about. But sometimes I do find out about, okay? Um, some of you are really good at that. It's not outward, okay, but they're more inward gifts, okay? So you have these speaking gifts and serving gifts. And then he says this. Here's the advice. Here's how to steward the gift. He says, if you have a speaking gift, make sure that when you speak, you speak what? Oracles of God. Doesn't that sound like, like grandiose, right? Make sure when you speak, you speak oracles, the oracles of God. Um, simple way of saying, you speak truth. All right? You speak utterances of God. That if you have the gift of teaching or wisdom, prophecy, exhortation, he's saying, make sure that when you open your mouth, this is almost a caution, it's a warning. He says, make sure when you open your mouth, you are uttering, you are speaking you are articulating God's word and God's word alone. Bottom line, speak God's truth. Don't, don't emphasize. Don't speak on your own opinions or your own ideas. Take that gift seriously. Only speak the truth in love, certainly. And then he says if we have a serving gift, then what? What's his advice? What does he implore us to do? He says, do it by the strength that God supplies. What's he saying there? He's saying, don't serve out of the flesh. Don't serve out of the flesh. Don't rely on your own strength. We have a tendency to do that, don't we? All of us. He says, but rather, what's his point? Be a person who's filled with the Holy Spirit. Be a person who's walking in the Holy Spirit. Be a person who's dependent, who's relying on the Lord. That's his advice for you and I. I was thinking about this last night, this advice, these gifts. Um, I just want you to think with me. Think about if each and every one of us here, if we are committed, devoted, every single one of us, to relying on the Lord, to being filled with the Spirit, and to only speaking truth. Imagine that. If we are committed as a gathering to only speak the truth. Imagine if we served each other that way and only that way. Right? Imagine, imagine what kind of gathering we would be. Think of that. It would be incredible, right? It would be amazing, right? That would be a gathering I would certainly want to be a part of. Right? Just serving one another out of our love for each other, 
out of our love for God. We're only speaking the truth into every single situation, every circumstance. We're totally dependent on the Lord to in these gifts, right? The doors would just be open all the time because no one can walk through first, right? We're just saying, hey, after you, after you, you know, you just stand there. We couldn't get out of the building, right? It would be awesome, right? Um, each one of us has been given a gift from the Lord. And that gift is meant to serve the body. That's our responsibility, to steward what we have been given, to serve because of grace. And then Peter ends everything this way. I think it's so, so full of truth, but also so fitting to where we've been in this sermon series. He leaves us with actually the goal of serving, the goal, the ultimate purpose of serving. It's at the end of verse 11. So why do you have a gift? To serve one another, to use your gift, but also, and ultimately, why? He says, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So what's the intention? What's the purpose of all that we do? And therefore, what is the intention or purpose, ultimate purpose of our serving? He says it so clearly here. He says, in order that in everything, God may be what? Glorified. Glorified through Jesus Christ. That ultimately, the reason and purpose of our serving, just like the reason and purpose for us studying the word, praying, is to bring God glory. To bring glory to the one in whom it belongs. To bring glory to the one who is worthy of all glory and dominion forever and ever. All glory belongs to God. And as a follower of Christ, what's natural to me is that all I want to do is glorify God. Right? That's true. That will be true of you when you understand his grace and when you understand the goodness of the gospel. That whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, whether you're reading scripture, praying, whether you serve, you will want it to all be about God and for God, and his glory. And that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do, to glorify God, to become more like Christ, to help other people do the same, which we call discipleship. That's why we're here. And I love, I love actually that Peter throws in an amen to the end of this. He actually just throws in an amen. I love it. You know what amen means? So let it be. Let it be, all right, some of you. It's not the Beatles, all right, but so let it be. That's what it means. It's an agreed upon. You're agreeing. So let it be. It's a declaration. Uh, I, I want to encourage you. I told this in the first service. I, it landed okay, I think. But I, but I want to tell you as well is that, um, you know, I grew up in a church actually where um, it was full of amens all the time, whether it was during worship or during the preaching. Because when people are hearing God's word, there's a sense and a response almost a natural response to say, that was God's word. I want that to be true of me. Amen. Right? And so I encourage you, you're more than welcome anytime to amen anything. Okay? There's a few of you. Right? We have a little small amen corner. Um, but I encourage you. Thank you. Thank you, Gina. All right? I love it. I've told her many times. I love that because it brings me back to my, my home church when I was young. Right? But full of, when you're hearing truth, it should cause us to respond. And one of the ways we're declaring to the Lord saying, amen, I agree. I want that to be true 
of my life. Actually, you know, this is, this is for free, okay? Um, this is outside of my sermon notes. But um, the, and you could actually trace that back historically. That actually, do you know, in the very beginning um, in church, at least the first 200 years of the church, um, this whole preaching thing, it was actually reversed. Uh, the preacher actually sat down. The congregation stood. Men on the right, women on the left. And it was a, it was a response. Back and forth, actually. Um, it, it was going back and forth. We're agreeing. It's a discussion. That's how it was done. It was interactive, actually. Um, and so that's how it was from the early church, right? And so uh, some of you who have a little bit more charismatic background, you come from that church, don't hate on those guys, right? They're amening and talking to the pastor, right? That's church history, all right? So you have permission to say amen, let it be so, let it be, all right? So what is, but what really is Peter getting at here? Okay, what's he saying here? It's actually so powerful. That amen is so powerful because what Peter is saying is, he's saying, he's written all these things. And he says, let my life, he's saying, let my life be to the glory of God. Let it be so. Let my life be one that is not focused on myself, but focused on others. Let my, my life be defined. Let it be so that I, I'm defined by how I love God, how I love people, how I serve. Amen. Let it be so. See, when you come to saving faith, when you come to saving faith, this is actually what you want. I can't be more clear with that. Um, actually, this is something that you will deeply desire. Don't miss this. I think it's so important for us to understand. The call to serve is a command. The call to serve is an expectation. But God, in his grace, also gives us a desire for serving. That God actually gives us a desire for the things that he requires. That's so merciful, so graceful, that all these ways that we're supposed to live, all these commands, all these expectations, they're actually things that he puts in us that we actually desire as well. I love what our church father, Martin Luther, says about our grace-saving faith. I think you can see that up there. Can you read it? It's big enough, right? Listen to this. So powerful. Listen to this. He says, he's talking about our grace-saving faith. He says, oh, this faith is a living, busy, active, powerful thing. It is impossible that it should not be ceaselessly doing that which is good. It does not even ask whether good works should be done, but before the question can be asked, it has done them. And it is constantly engaged in doing them. But he who does not do such works is a man without faith. Then he says, Further, faith is a living, well-founded confidence in the grace of God, so perfectly certain that it would die a thousand times rather than surrender its conviction. Such confidence and personal knowledge of divine grace, when you understand the gospel, when you understand grace, makes its possessor joyful, bold, full of warm affection towards God and all created things. Look, all of which the Holy Spirit works in faith. And then here we go. Hence, or therefore, such a man becomes without, con without constraint, willing and eager to do good to everyone, 
to serve everyone, to suffer all manner of ills in order to what? To please and glorify God who has shown toward him such grace, such grace. Understand what Martin Luther is actually arguing for here. He's saying, ultimately saying, we get to serve. We get to serve that people who understand the grace of God, they naturally serve. They're always looking for opportunities to serve. They don't ask, even ask the question, should I serve? Where should I serve? They just serve. That it's a natural response when you understand the gospel, when you understand the grace of God, looking for opportunity to serve. And they're doing it, he says, with joy and with a heart that loves God and loves people. See, that's what grace does. That's what your salvation does. That's what the gospel does. It's who it makes you to be. And that's exactly, exactly why Jesus lived this way as well. Jesus was the perfect example for us of a life of serving. In fact, Jesus actually said of himself that serving is one of the reasons, don't miss this, right? So, have you ever thought about this? Jesus actually says, one of the reasons that I came to the earth is to serve. Look at what he says. It's in Mark's gospel. He says this, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve and he served to the extent of giving his entire life to people. Total selflessness. And so then, those of you who are logical and rational, it only makes sense then that followers of Jesus Follow Jesus. Doesn't that make sense? You call yourself a follower of Jesus, so follow Jesus. Jesus served, so what should you do? Serve. Jesus came not to be served, but to to serve. So why do you come to this gathering? Not to be served, but to serve. Why do you go to your work? How do you go to your work? With what approach? Not to be served, but to serve. How do you approach missional family? Not to be served, but to serve. That's That's the example Jesus gives for us. Let me close with this. So what does that look like then for you and I? Really practically, what does that look like for you and I? Well, there are several ways, several ways, particularly as we move forward into this new church together. There's going to be so many opportunities, so many opportunities to serve this body. Some of you are already serving now. I want to encourage you to continue to serve, but there's going to be opportunities for hospitality, worship, technological things that I know nothing about, Creative arts, social media, serving teens, serving kids, infants, serving through prayer, serving through teaching, preaching, serving newcomers, uh, serving the lost, serving local missions, overseas missions, leading a discipleship group, hosting a discipleship group. Okay, the list goes on and on and on. There are a lot of the ways you can serve this body and use your gift. And one of our goals as a gathering will be to create a space for you to serve us with your gift. Not because we need to get things done. I want to be really clear about that from the very beginning. We are not going to serve because there's a to-do list of things. (laughs) Because we just need to get things done. We're going to serve because when we serve, 
we actually live like Jesus lived. And when we serve, we glorify God. And that's why we are here, to glorify God and to live like Jesus. Saved people serve. Saved people serve. So let's be a gathering of people who serve for his glory and our joy. Amen? That's good. Let's pray.